Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And each week, we come together to talk about a myriad of topics uh, from God's Word, uh, theology. Uh, we talk about ministry and ministry development, leadership. And sometimes we have conversations that deal with biblical counseling, which is this idea that we can use God's word to help people with their emotional and relational issues. Now, this week, we're going to be having a conversation with Jonathan Kindler about the topic of fear and anxiety, which so many people in our world are struggling with right now. In fact, there's a huge rise in fear and anxiety in our culture. And a lot of that has to do with the media and the information that's coming out at us like just all the time. And they're prompting us to have doubt about the unknown, about things in our world that we can't control. And that lack of control actually produces fear and worry in people, not just in the lost world, but also in the church. And we ought to know how to address these issues as they come up. And so with that, I want to welcome John Kindler, my dear friend, to the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's good to be here. So first of all, I, I should mention, I didn't mention this before, that you are a professional counselor. How long have you been doing that? Since 2014. Okay. Yeah. And you're a teaching elder here at Midtown Baptist mm -hmm. Temple, and you are the instructor in the biblical counseling one class. One of them. Yep. One, one of them. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you are qualified to have this conversation. I believe you are. Yeah, I think maybe... You invited me here because you're like he is afraid a lot so <laughs> he should not he's about riddled this. with fear <laughs> and so he'd yeah. be perfect uh no but but you and i have had these conversations about yeah. about fear and anxiety and about many different to topics and subject matter that surround this and so I, I really wanted to invite people in to that and uh, and hear some of the things that you have to say about it and so maybe you can just begin by defining for us the secular world's perspective, uh, the counseling world's perspective mm -hmm. on what fear is. Yeah. So um, just in, in general, uh, fear is a primitive emotion and it's um, this natural and, and super powerful response to, you know, like an external uh, threat, whether that threat is real or perceived. And so we have all kinds of different things that are happening in our body biochemically and physiologically that respond to this external stimuli that then causes our body to move into this like survival mode, you mm -hmm. know? And so in the clinical world, that's usually what um, they refer to as fear is like moving into uh, what's described as like fight, flight, freeze, and feign and how people respond to that fear. If you think about uh, in the wild, so you mm -hmm. have, so you have like a predator chasing a prey, so you have like a I don't know, like a, a cheetah taking down like a, a gazelle or something, and they've done these incredible studies where they like slow down the footage of it, and you see the gazelle. The initial response is to face off the 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 uh, cheetah, mm -hmm. which happens uh, in a split second because they realize that they can't, you know, fight that. Predator. Yeah, they're outmatched. Yes. So then they move quickly into flee, which is what we typically see. Mm -hmm. And while they're running, um, uh, just before the cheetah, you know, takes down the gazelle, uh, they freeze. It's incredible. Like they, um, they just lock up, right? Yeah. And so the cheetah doesn't actually have to drag them down to the ground. They, they just, they freeze up. Yeah. And then of course, as they're being, you know, devoured, um, they feign, they, they dissociate from that experience. And so 
we actually do that as humans as well. We, mm -hmm. we move into those different stages of fear. And it's really interesting, actually, um, you know, in terms of how we respond uh, as adults, especially to fear. It's often aligns with what we've most felt comfortable with in our life. Like, um, you know, if you're a fighter or if you're a flighter or if you're a freezer, um, and then some people do actually feign, they dissociate in moments of fear, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Yeah, and, and so what you're saying is people are a lot of times prone to one of these mechanisms, mm -hmm. maybe over the others. And so right. yeah. if you're a fairly combative person mm -hmm. in moments of fear, you might become combative. Right. And essentially what that usually means is that um, when you came up against real or perceived threats in your life, um, that worked. Mm -hmm. Fighting worked, you know, mm -hmm. and um, if it if fighting didn't work, then you move to fleeing and that's then how you your default response. Right. Yeah. And you train it into yourself. You become a person that uses that mechanism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe uh, from here, explain what the Bible says about fear, because it, it says a lot. I mean, it's a topic that comes up quite often in scripture. And I think it's really important for us to have a, a clear understanding of where there is, uh, you know, a complementary perspective to how the, the mm. world sees it, but then the distinctions that the Bible speaks to. Yeah. Well, I think just to, to kind of, um, you know, position ourselves for that question. We have to to consider that every thought and behavior that we have is accompanied with an emotion. And God has designed our bodies uh, with emotions, and and they kind of act like gauges. I think we've talked about that before on here um, in previous podcasts. Yeah, on the, on but, the episode about depression, we had we right. used this analogy. So um, those gauges are helpful because they let us know emotions that let us know what's happening within us and what's happening around us. And as we said before, it isn't so much telling us the truth, but letting us know where we're at. Mm -hmm. And so some of those are, you know, we have joy and, and God's called us to be in a position of joy, to live in a position of joy. But we also have sadness. We have um, of anger. We have disgust and we have fear. And so Fear is a huge component when we consider our walk with the Lord because underlying uh, every sin is some component of fear. Mm. And so uh, the Bible talks about fear in different ways. Um, one of the ways that it talks about fear is actually really beneficial. Um, it talks about fearing the Lord and having this reverence for God. And um, I think a good picture of that is when Peter, James, and John get to see Jesus in his transfigured body, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we have this statement from Peter who, you know, he's seeing all of this play out and he's like, hey, let's let's build, you know, a monument for you. And, yeah, you know, and, yeah, temple, you right. know, because they're so, you know, excited, so marvelous, so wondrous. Yes, and so when uh, he's saying that God, you know, interrupts him and, you know, if God's interrupting you audibly, then you know you're out of bounds, right? Yeah, and, right. And he uh, he didn't recognize his place in this hierarchy structure. And so it says that they like fell down before the Lord, mm -hmm. afraid. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really powerful because it, it reveals um, the need for us to acknowledge God's position in our life, this reverence. And, um, and then of course, Jesus, he reaches down and he tells them, hey, be not afraid. And so it gives us this dissonance or this tension, the difference between these two types of fears. Mm. Um, there's this fear of the Lord, which actually moves us to acknowledge who God is. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other fear 
um, that uh, looks more like um, like some sort of terror. Or, Fear of, it's like dread would yes, be a great word. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they were, you know, mm -hmm. like there was this and he said, don't be afraid that way. Right. You know, and uh, we have uh, um, God's called us to um, to acknowledge that there is that type of fear. It says in Second Timothy one seven, um, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, mm -hmm. uh, but of power and love and a sound mind, and and that's a huge distinction. You know, it's a spirit, meaning there is a very real presence that desires for us to live in a state of fear mm -hmm. and our enemy satan's his main goal his hope is our fear right yeah because it starts to uh, break down the other fear which is acknowledging who christ is so oh, I, I see yeah. so okay explain that so what what is satan's objective in making and in, in wanting us to be so afraid so you, you mentioned that it interrupts or it breaks down the proper fear that we're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. So if he, if he interjects fear into our lives through worry about whatever it might be, feelings mm -hmm. of dread about in, any sort of thing, relationships, mm -hmm. situations, circumstances, if those things in, enter into our life, then mm -hmm. we're distracted from the fears that we ought to have or... Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it, it, it shifts our focus from who God is to who we are. And, mm -hmm. and it moves us into this position of self-preservation, right? Right. And so um, a, a good example of that is in the garden, right? So you have uh, Adam and Eve, and he, it's, a, it's incredible. God created man and, and woman with all of these needs, right? To be known and to be valued and to have purpose and, and, and connection. And, mm -hmm. and then he placed them in this, this place that met all of those needs. And right. of course, in Genesis 3, we see... Um, Eve being tempted, right? And and at the root of of that sin in that moment is her fear that God's holding out on me. Right. And we see this position of self-preservation. And then and then we also see that with Adam too. He he um he chooses his wife over God, right? Mm -hmm. And and out of self-preservation, he didn't want to he didn't want to go back to the way it was before where he, he's looking around and he doesn't have he doesn't anyone. have a companion yeah. so he was he was afraid to lose his companionship yeah. eve yeah. was afraid that god had not actually provided for them right. the way that he had promised to do right and so bet between each of them their fears might have manifest differently mm -hmm. in their heart and their mind but ultimately it produced rebellion right and what you often refer to as illegitimate solutions right so then so after that you know you know um, God is is coming to find them in the garden, and and we find I think it's in Genesis three ten we we see Adam hiding. Mm -hmm. You know, it says that he um, that he was afraid and he hid himself. And I think that phrase is so important for us because you know that's what we do. Um, I think you know you you had mentioned this before. We've talked about this before, and you said this is like one of the first counseling situations. Mm -hmm. You know, where God asked Adam, "Where are you?" Uh, which is is beautiful actually because god knew exactly where adam was but adam didn't know where he was mm -hmm. and that's the biblical counselor's role is to be able to ask questions to get the counselee to to reflect and acknowledge like oh wow i'm hiding yeah because i'm afraid because right. because i've sinned or because there's some hardship in my life and so we do that too since since the garden we have been hiding and, and maybe not behind a bush or a tree or wherever, but, but behind 
you know, our, our career or, or being a good mom or um, busy with, you know, ministry or whatever it is, or maybe some horrific addiction. Nonetheless, it is an illegitimate solution for a very legitimate need mm-hmm. that God created us yeah. with. So we yeah. see this dissonance um, for us, right, where we are trying to um, lean into our own solutions because of our fear instead of trusting God with his when we fear him. Yeah. It makes me think also just about the idea that, you know, when someone's afraid, you often hear the phrase of like white knuckling, mm. right? Like grabbing a hold of something because you feel out of control. In, in moments of fear, you feel out of control. Mm-hmm. Adam felt out of control in his situation. And so fear is actually uh, what it can it can do is mm-hmm. produce in us a desire to control our realities, find ways of controlling our rea- realities with the hope of getting our confidence back. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is so often, instead of turning to the Lord to find our confidence in Him, mm-hmm. we turn to our own worldly solutions, and 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 that just never produces the peace that we want. Yeah, I think I think the what's troubling about it, and this is this is true about sin. It, it's it's it works for a season, is that it it does work it's just not sustainable right, right. like mm-hmm. uh, you know we like what you just described like white knuckling and i can i can think a certain way and, and the clinical world describes that as defense mechanisms i can live in denial or repression or i can blame it on them mm-hmm. or i can think in a way that will maintain my self-esteem and will lower my anxiety or i can do things coping mechanisms right. i can i can all the things we we're listing before i can be a good dad Mm-hmm. And, and that makes me feel good about right. myself and lowers my anxiety. So one of the questions that I have for you, though, that's related to this is um, the idea that it's back to this concept that you use about the gauge and about emotions and, and how emotions are actually neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, they just help us understand where we're at. And so at some level, cons- concern, worry, these are natural and even helpful mm-hmm. to us. And, and helping us better understand where, where we're at. And I, when, when I was preparing for this, I kind of thought of the idea of like, you're walking on a trail and you come across a bear and uh, you know that's a dangerous situation. You should have a response of concern right. because the opposite of that would be apathy and you would probably lose your life, Yeah, you'd be right? Bear bait. Is that bear bait, I don't know. Bear bait. <laughs> Is that a term? <laughs> It should be because you would, yeah. right? You'd be done, right? Yeah. And that's so, you, yeah, I mean, like we, it's necessary for us to have reasonable, reasonable fear um, in circumstances where there is threat, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing the matter with acknowledging what's true about our circumstances and, and having um, wise responses, you know, and our, uh, God is designed us in a way where that happens, uh, you know, on a neurological level, what's happening in our brain I think this is so neat. Um, if you were to imagine like your your brain being like a walled off city, mm-hmm. right? Like um, this, I don't know, like a first century like walled off city right. or something. There's a the the gate. There's a one gate on that, and and a guard at the gate. Uh, that guard is there to protect that whole city, and they're surveying the you know the horizon for mm-hmm. some sort of threat. And uh, in our brain, we have that too. It's called the amygdala. It's this tiny little part of our brain that's constantly surveying our proximity for some sort of threat. And if that guard 
uh, is ambushed, then he sounds an alarm to the whole city, and that's fear, right? Mm-hmm. It's saying, um, "Hey, there's 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 an ambush, and it shuts off the whole city." And um, in our brain, that happens as well. The amygdala shuts off the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that thinks thoughts, right. you know, that has access specific to- thoughts. Right, that has access to logic and truth and mm-hmm. all these things. And, and that could sound uh, like a bad mechanism, but it's actually really helpful in moments of survival. You know, if you're, if you're like driving in traffic or something and, and, and someone slams on their brakes in front of you, the last thing that you want to be thinking is, oh, wow, you know, the lights on the back of that car are lighting up. Right. That means you that don't stopping. Stop, you don't have time to process. Right. And so the idea that, that, this alarm gets sounded and the more instinctual part of your brain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's often re- referred to like the more primitive or primal part mm-hmm. of your brain comes into activity right. at a higher level. Right. Adrenaline flows to your body. Right. And, it, uh, you know, we say things like, he, you know, if someone gets in a fight, like they they blew up, They we say he flipped his lid. Mm-hmm. Well, what that's referring to is his prefrontal cortex. He It flipped off, right? Mm. And he went into this fight or flight mentality. And, you know, that's a helpful response um, in moments of survival. But it's- and, re- and in real danger when it's actually, right. you know, necessary. Right. But if that becomes, uh, you know, a, a state that we live in, uh, then it can be really dangerous because it does cut us off from our prefrontal cortex, which houses um, our access to truth, mm-hmm. right? So um, how are we supposed to be able to um, acknowledge what God's word says about our life when we're in a constant state of survival? So it's needful for us to develop, um, you know, a protocol uh, yeah. To, yeah. to be able to um, to be able to discern what's happening in those moments and um, to challenge that type of fear in our life so that we can um, have victory over that type of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so what you're describing is the distinction between uh, common appropriate fear mm-hmm. um, versus a spirit of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of fear is when fear begins to overtake you. And then mm-hmm. you begin to apply feelings of concern and worry to things that aren't justifiably worrisome. Mm-hmm. If, is that a right way of... Yeah, I mean, and it's what I see in in my my counseling practice when just working with people. It's like um, we uh, we develop an identity around some of those emotional responses, which is really scary. You know, it's like, um, well, I have people tell me all the time. It's like, well, I'm an I'm an anxious person. Mm-hmm. What they're really saying is that I have lived in self preservation so long that that's now my identity. Mm. And, and that's really hard to overcome because every time they come up against a hardship or a trial or something happens, they impulsively move into that self-preservation fight or flight, which then they don't have access to God's word and truth. And so then they, they naturally move into, uh, you know, um, doing something that works in the moment, but it's not sustainable long-term. Mm-hmm. And so it creates a narrative in their life that's true. It's like, well, when hardship happens, I fall apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it makes me think too about the boy that cried wolf a little bit. So like, you know, you don't, you can't distinguish like the boy that cried wolf was always saying that there was a problem when there wasn't, you know, like if the city, if the city walls are being ambushed, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if there's a squirrel moving in the bushes, that's, that's not justifiable in terms of worry. 
Right, yeah. And so the boy that cried wolf at the end of the day had a real problem on his hands because he couldn't distinguish or the people, meaning his brain, like mm. representing the metaphor of the brain, right. couldn't distinguish between what was real harm and- Absolutely. And it ended up being his destruction. Uh, and man, and that's, and that's the truth mm -hmm. because people who- have experienced like severe trauma like it's it's it, the the statistics are like so staggering but people who like someone who's been a victim of a really awful crime the the statistics of that happening to them again are really high because they are so unaware of what is a real threat and what isn't mm. right and so um it is important for us to be able to find a way to hold on to God's truth. And I think there's some principles in God's word that points to that, like ways that we can develop um, that pursuit of God. Yeah, and, and I really want to, to talk about that. And I want us to focus a lot of energy on that. Um, and so what are some things that someone, a, a believer ought to do uh, when they're faced with, with fear? What's the mm. process, you mm. know, when that spirit of fear is beginning to overtake them? And I, and I wanna make sure that this is both beneficial to the person or all of us that have fears in our life, mm -hmm. because we all do. If we just sit and think long enough, there are things that we are afraid of. Yeah. And, um, but I also want it to be beneficial to the person who's gonna put themselves in a position of counseling. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe frame it in a way that's, that, that helps us with that. Well, I, as you're saying that, what came to mind is that they've done these studies uh, about, about fear and worry. Um, these like uh, studies where they'll, they've gotten people together and they've had them do like a fear journal, you know? Mm -hmm. And essentially what they're trying to, to uh, identify is how often people's fears come true. And I think it's, it's important to just know as the counselor and for us as individuals to, to realize like how, um, how much we fear and how often that fear isn't founded on truth, you know? So uh, after they've done these studies, they found that 90, it's like over 90%, 91% of people's fears in a day don't actually happen, hmm. which is wild, right? So is wild. the way they do these studies is people write down all their fears, they rate their fears, they rate how long they've been afraid of that thing. And then after it doesn't happen or it does, they write down, what, you know, if it did. Whether or not it manifested or it came to fruition. Right, right. They also found that people fear, um, you know, a large portion of their day, uh, 20 to 25% of their day is um, is worrying about something on some level. You yeah, know? so like in the workplace, it might be how someone perceives you or right. whether or not you did this thing or that thing right. So they're, so they're like micro, you know, anxieties. Right, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily, you know, my worst fear is going to come true, but the fact that we give so much of ourself without even knowing it, we've normalized it. We mm -hmm. give so much of ourself to, to worry and fear um, that, that doesn't even statistically come true. And then when we hold that in a spiritual light. It's like, man, like there's God, God doesn't want us to live into that spirit. Mm -hmm. It's bondage. It is. He wants us to have power and love and a sound mind. And, and one, one place that I always go to in scripture uh, when I think about a good um, framework for for this is dealing, is, dealing with fear. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and overcoming it is David. David in the Psalms, especially, we see David's thoughts in the Psalms, especially in, in times where he's in trial or hardship. And 
A lot of times I go to uh, Psalms 13 because it's six verses and it gives this incredible remedy for overcoming fear. Um, at the beginning, he talks about uh, he talks about uh, God forgetting him. You know, mm-hmm. you've you've forgotten me. You don't hear me, right? And so from the beginning, the first thing that he does is he recognizes and he names his fear. Mm. And that's a huge part of this because a lot of times we don't even acknowledge our fear. We're so used to minimizing it or, or, or pushing it out of our mind that we don't name it. And then we see David going into and he says, God, hear me. So he takes his fear and he surrenders it to God. So mm-hmm. that's the second step. So and I think that's super important too, because you know we, we talked about Adam and Eve earlier and Eve had a fear, right? Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're gonna pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. I'm Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio, and a recent graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. LFBI was a great chance for me to grow, to learn, to continue my education without having to take time away from my family or my own ministry. In fact, being able to take classes at my own pace ultimately allowed me to be more effective in my ministry. I can't tell you how invaluable it is for LFBI to be structured in such a way that you're encouraged to implement what you learn in ministry and not just sit on the information for yourself. It was a great experience to hear from a variety of instructors uh, from other ministries and parts of the country in tandem with serving my local church. Through LFBI, I received a library of resources that I'll be able to reference for the rest of my life. It was curated by the experience and the countless hours of study put in by the instructors. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all those that invested in and equipped me for the work of the Lord. In addition to the information and resources, I was able to develop relationships with so many of the students and the instructors that have impacted my life and the way that I view ministry. There was a lot of info to retain and there's still a lot that I don't know, but perhaps the greatest takeaway from LFBI is the confidence to be able to compare scripture with scripture and rightly divide the word of truth so that I can be certain of what God says for myself. This is an approach to the Bible that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So if anyone's interested in learning what God's Word has to say, I'd encourage you to sign up for the Living Faith Bible Institute. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. Eve had a fear, right? Uh, her fear was that God was holding out. Right. Um, and because she entertained that fear and she didn't confess it, right? We don't, she didn't go to God. She didn't say, hey, I have this feeling or this fear that I'm struggling with. Would you help me work through it? Mm. Is it true? Is it untrue? What she did is she, be, she allowed herself to become susceptible to a lie, which I think is the big thing mm-hmm. here is that so much of fear makes us susceptible mm-hmm. to, to lies and to deception. Right, like what if Eve would have been like, hey God, like, you're holding out on me. Like, mm-hmm. what if she would have done what David did? Like, God, you for you, you've forgotten me. Yeah. You know, when we read that, it and we actually we acknowledge what was happening for David in that in that moment. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, David, God has not forgotten you, right? He promised you right. that you were going to be the king. And no, God isn't. God has not forgotten you, right? right? But in his heart, he was acknowledging, "Wow, I'm afraid." And I'm afraid that you're, you've abandoned me, mm-hmm. right? So he moves, 
He, he names it and then he and he confesses it to God. He surrenders it. And then the next step, the way that he responds after that is he moves to acknowledging what's true. So he goes to what he knows to be true about God. He's like, no, God, he says, but, mm-hmm. but your mercy, mm-hmm. right? But, but you provide me salvation. And so for us to be able to go to God's word and, and reminding ourselves of what's true. And then in verse six, he worships God for how he dealt with him bountifully. So we see just in six verses, David moving from feeling terrified and afraid mm-hmm. to worshiping God. And so a remedy for fear and, and what we see from David is, is faith. And we know it's working when we are worshiping. And so we've talked about this before, and I think this point right here is super profound. And I think this this whole thing is very, very important because I think if we make this habitual in our lives, mm-hmm. then we will overcome fear. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be it'll be something that always is a part of, of who we are, um, but, but, but we will be able to deal with it rightly. Mm-hmm. But I think this conclusion that you draw is incredibly significant is that the measurement that of, of overcoming fear and having true confidence is an appropriate posture in worship before the Lord. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's so many, um, so many times uh, that I, you know, I'm sitting in my counseling practice, and I'm thinking, man, if this person would just worship God, like if they, if they did what Peter did, right? Like, mm-hmm. like oh, I'm now recognizing who I am in context to who you are. Right. Right. And, and we see, you know, Paul talks about it too in, in Philippians 4. He, the same parallel, he says, um, be careful for nothing. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't, don't worry. Right. But instead of that, be careful for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So he plays out that same pattern that David did. He prayed, he, mm-hmm. he brought it, hear me, God. And he and he and he reminded himself of what was true about who God was, and he thanked God. He was worshiping God, and then after that, you you get the peace mm-hmm. that that surpasseth all understanding, right? So instead of us and our fear and what we can white knuckle, right, we get His peace, and it, and it says that Jesus will keep our heart and our mind, mm. right? Like yeah. our emotions, the way that we think about what's happening in our circumstance. And our thoughts are kept by him. Mm-hmm. Man, like if if we could just name what is true, what's happening for us, right? Then it could, it could, I think it would set up that protocol for us to remind ourselves of who God is in context to our circumstance and who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you and I talked before we came on here mm-hmm. to do the podcast. And uh and kind of walked through my own experiences and what fear in my life has looked like and how God's transformed me. And you, you're intimately familiar with my life because we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you can use me as an example and walk through just, just to explain how someone comes to a place of fear, but then also overcomes mm-hmm. exactly the way that you're saying that they should. Yeah. Well, um, what comes to mind is uh, I think uh, Chris Best was on here. He's talking about parenting, but yeah, just a few episodes back. Yeah, yeah, and he and in his talk, he was sharing about the idea of attachment. So uh, when we're when we're kids, we um, we attach to these primary um, caregivers, right? These people in our life that you know God's word tells us represents God in our life, mm-hmm. and when those individuals. Um, 
you know, are not available uh, when we're experiencing threat and things like that. It, right. um, we move to that position of self-preservation and we reach towards the resources that we have accessible. And those typically are our emotions. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times um, one of those that's prevalent is fear. Yeah. So we, we reach towards fear and it and it, it's an aid to us to provide us this sense of control in a way. And uh, just, I mean, knowing your story and, and um, growing up together, I know that your dad just, he wasn't around. Yeah. And um, because of that, you had to take a role uh, to, to be a parent to your siblings and to be, a, to, to be the man of the house in a way that um, developmentally you weren't at that capacity. Mm -hmm. Yet um, if there was a need, so you stepped into that role and, and you loved your siblings that way and you supported your mom in that way. And because of that, you needed some sort of resource to reach towards. And I think fear was accessible for, for you in that. Mm -hmm. and, and it provided you with that tool to, to be able to control things and, and manage. And uh, what I also know about your story is that you came to know God in a real way. You received Christ and you had to deal with that fear, um, recognizing that uh, God, your heavenly father, wasn't going to abandon you um, or reject mm -hmm. you the way that you felt that your dad did. Mm -hmm. And so it, um, just like David, uh, you had to come to terms with what was true and you acknowledged, you named, saying, hey, there's this, this real fear in my life that um, the people that matter to me or even God is going to leave me, mm -hmm. you know? And um, as you did that, you you um, you cried out to your heavenly Father, and He reminded you in Scripture, which we we found David doing. He he, you acknowledged like this is what's true about who God is and who I am mm -hmm. in light of who God is, and it led to worship in your life. Right, right. What I think is incredible about it is that as you take on that position, and as we take on that position, it leads to us opting in to what God has for us. Mm. And I mean. For me, uh, you know, um, you know, living life alongside you, uh, it's been it's been awesome to see like you trust the Lord with your life, mm. you know, and opting in to what God has for you, you know, and um, so I just think it's an it's a it's a cool picture of just um, how when we when we trust God for who He is, um, He can restore the things that are broken, yeah. right? Now, what we also know is that, gosh, like we still have that old man, right? And so, um, you are going to have the propensity, sure, right, sure, to to fear. And when you fear, it's probably going to be in that vein of they're going to leave me, right? If I don't meet their expectation, they're right. going to leave me, right? Yeah. And I was tempted that with that feeling again, especially after my brother passed away. Mm -hmm. It just felt like one more person leaving, yeah. You know, and then it manifests itself probably in ministry quite a bit with with people that I respect and, and care about their opinions and and feelings of rejection, fearing rejection in moments where I feel like I've done something that warrants it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so just even in your life, like as we're talking about it, it's like you have a very clear picture of how you can overcome overcome that fear every time. Yeah. Right? Like trusting that if I if I name this instead of in my own fear, my own strength, I find ways to minimize it. Like, oh, you know what? That person doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like that's we their opinion of me doesn't matter. Well, it's like, no, it actually it does matter to you. Um, but we don't actually have to go down that path. We can say, 
Um, this is what's true. I'm afraid of them rejecting me. And uh, God, like, mm-hmm. what do you say about who I am? Yeah. And we go to his word and then it leads to worship and leads to the, the action step mm-hmm. of leaning into whatever he has for us so that he can get glory. Yeah. So concerned enough to be kind to people and right. build proper relationships. Yes. To, you know, be worried about it enough so that you're 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 socially, you know, normalized, but not so afraid mm-hmm. that it becomes bondage where you're laying in bed worrying about what people are thinking about you all Absolutely. the time. Yep. Yeah. And so to that point, I, could you speak to what it looks like for a believer to walk in confidence in, in terms of their emotions, so what's happening in, internally? But then also in terms of their behavior, mm-hmm. how does it how does it completely manifest itself when a person is living in a, a way that relies on the promises of God mm-hmm. and in the confidence of the Lord? Yeah. So we, you know, in, in 2 Timothy 1, it, it, it says uh, we haven't been given the spirit of fear. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So there's this, there's this comparison that happens. We haven't been given the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And that power is the fruit of the spirit. So when we aren't living into the spirit of fear, we have that power. And we have love, which is no longer self-preservation, but love is sacrificial. We're not mm-hmm. looking after ourselves, but looking to others. And then we have a sound mind, which means, uh, like we said in Philippians 4, that God has our heart and our, Jesus ha- keeps our heart and our mind. We have clarity and wisdom in the moment, in the, in the hardship. Mm. A, a passage in scripture that um, I think just... Uh, gives such a, a, a incredible picture of this is um, Jesus, uh, I think it's in Matthew 8, uh, Jesus uh, fell asleep in the boat, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, these guys, yeah. um, Jesus told them, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And these dudes had seen Jesus do all kinds of crazy stuff. So they had a lot of faith in him, right? They were aware of his power, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, um, Jesus, you know, they're, they're in the boat and, and the storm starts to rage around them and, and, and they're terrified for their life, um, you know, and, um, and then Jesus is asleep in the boat and this is intentional, right? He's, um, he is not afraid, mm-hmm. you know, and they come to him and they're, they're like, we're going to die. And right. his response to them is, is. Uh, is is really incredible, and it gives us a picture here because he says, um, "Be not afraid," right? And he tells them, he says, "You have little faith," right? And I think that statement from him was less of a reprimand and more of a remedy, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, when we want to overcome fear, it is through faith, yeah. and and when we have faith, we know that it's working because we're worshiping, mm-hmm. right? And so. Um, we see Jesus giving them that there. And I think that's really cool. Jesus, uh, when we apply that to our own life, it's like, man, um, when we, when we uh, signed up for this thing, yeah. um, you know, Christians contract COVID, <laughs> Christians die. Uh, we go through hardship and trial and, and Jesus promised that we would, but he also said that I overcome the world. Yeah. Right. And so, it gives us that picture of of the two different positions of fear. Yeah. Um, it uh, when we acknowledge who He is, when we revere Him, when we fear Him, uh, our fear uh, as a coping mechanism, 
as well as just an, an emotional response to our circumstances starts to pale in comparison into uh, in contrast to who he is. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you pointed out early on in the story was that from the very beginning, he said, we're going across. We're going to, yes. you know, so there, there was a very simple statement that mm. functioned as a promise. Yeah. And it, and it sealed the deal. And if they would have remembered that he said those things, that would have been the thing that they could put their faith in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, they, and they failed to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's, it's amazing because whenever, you know, Christ comes the water, which he does several times, um, man, who is this that, you know, the statement is, who, who is this that even the waters obey him? Right. Mm, it's so powerful, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's such a powerful thing. And it makes me, I just recently uh, was preaching in Acts. We're talking about Paul. And Paul is, it's the end of his, of his ministry. Um, it's, we're nearing the end of Acts. And he has been in prison for two years. He has all, lost all control over his life. Mm-hmm. And Paul is a pretty self-determined person. Mm-hmm. He, he, he enjoys his free agency. And, um, but he's stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the Romans don't do what's right. Uh, the, the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin, are fighting against him. He's stuck mm-hmm. and he has no power over his life. And it's all the promises that he has, uh, you know, concerning God's strength, um, concerning, uh, you know, what is life and death? Mm-hmm. You know, if death has lost its sting, what difference does, it, you know, mm-hmm. God has me? And it's that complete devotion and belief that God has everything under control mm-hmm. that allows him to be remain the same boisterous, bold, you know, intense believer that he was even as he was roaming through Asia Minor, right? Like right. He, nothing changes for him, even when his circumstances change. And I think that aligns itself so clearly with what Christ wanted from his disciples is mm-hmm. just take the promises I've given you mm-hmm. and just believe in them. Yes. I'm here. Yeah. So you have like, um, when I was, as you're sharing that, I was thinking about how Paul had an encounter with Christ that he couldn't, you know, like it transformed his life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a constant reminder of this of of this difference in the fear, right? It's like he knew who Christ was in contrast to his fear. So it was already settled in his mind, whether I be abased or bound. Yeah. Right? You know, right. Um, Jesus gave that that same um, you know, um he taught that same thing in Matthew six. He talked about the sparrows and the flowers of the field, and he gave us the remedy for it when he said, "Seek first my kingdom, the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? This spiritual kingdom." And uh, in saying that, in that remedy, he's he's calling us to have his perspective, mm. you know, for our circumstances. So once we do that, everything else will be promised, you know, like will be added unto us. We'll you'll get to the yeah. other side. Yeah, and that's I think that gets back to that, that's having a healthy fear of God, because if He has everything in His hands, mm-hmm. if He is the Creator of all things, if if He speaks and things come into fruition, it, our fear of Him goes beyond reverence. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a true and genuine fear of the power and the might that He has, and when He says to us, "I love you," like. I've, I've got every hair on your head counted. I know mm-hmm. every tear that you've ever cried. I mean, what is there to fear except for him? You know, there's right. nothing left to fear but him. And I think that's the power that we need in our lives. That's the confidence that mm. we need is to believe that. Yeah. 
Man, if 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 we could own this is what scares me, you know, sometimes I think we we get, you know, we get busy uh with good work. Mm-hmm. Um, um but if we forget the power, like I think about Peter, James, and John, like the we forget the transfigured Christ, like the power yeah. of Christ. Mm-hmm. If we forget that, then we what we actually are serving is, is is a god that um is is much like the gods of this world right it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really actually um hold the true power of who god is right you know? yeah well john obviously you spent years studying issues like fear and anxiety and so we have there's so much we could talk about but i think you gave us everything we need to trust the lord and begin to deal with fears you know personally in our own lives for the listeners and for me as well and so i want to thank you for that and for the time you spent with us today man thanks for having me and thank you bro for um doing this i, I think this is such a blessing for um people who are interested in learning about god's word and um yeah i'm grateful for this podcast well man i, I enjoy doing it it's a lot of fun and i need people to understand that what that, that what we're learning is are things that they can learn as well mm-hmm. that the bible institute is an asset to them and yeah. that and that they're invited to come and, and join with us and it's it's fun and it's exciting and and in fact this is maybe as we close out there's an opportunity for just you to to plug your the classes that you're teaching we've got two biblical counseling classes mm-hmm. now uh the first one we're actually is in session right now mm-hmm. introduction to biblical counseling which is like the a 16 week framework mm-hmm. of the theology and some of the methodology behind a biblical counseling model. Mm-hmm. Now we've got this new class, uh, Biblical Counseling Lab One. Can you explain that just a little bit, what that class is? So the Counseling Lab is a, a practical methodology class where we are applying a lot of the intro to biblical counseling class uh, in a group setting. So we do have some teaching, but then we break out into groups and we have vignettes where we're working through real life counseling situations and uh, working through that in groups and um, applying those principles. And yeah, it's a it's awesome uh, way to get um, a real hands-on experience of how to apply biblical counseling in a counseling relationship. Yeah. And I, so I'm really excited about this because we, we took it for a test drive um, last summer mm-hmm. and it went really well. And, uh, and so the curriculum is, is, is phenomenal and it's a, uh, because it's a relational thing, it's good that, you know, even if you're in a different city in Zoom, we can do the small breakout mm-hmm. groups and people can participate live in, in class. So it'll be a live only class, um, but it, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that we get to offer yeah, me this. Too. So um, that will be in the spring of 2022. Mm-hmm. So people can look forward to that. But again, John, thanks for hanging out with me. Man, thanks. I love you, dude. Love you too. And I love you too, uh, listeners. Uh, it's so great to get together with you every week and, and share these conversations with people that, that I respect and, and care a lot for and, and have a lot to offer. And, and I'm excited that you get a sneak peek into some of the classes that we have at, at Living Faith Bible Institute. And so if you've listened to this episode and you're thinking, I'd like to get more training, uh, this is your opportunity. Visit lfbi.org and check out our program of study. LFBI focuses on understanding the word of God 
So getting a grasp of what the Bible says, but then learning leadership principles and, and approaches to ministry that are sustainable and beneficial to you in your local church context. And so you don't ever actually have to leave your own ministry to participate. Everything is online. It's very flexible and it's very inexpensive. And, and so again, we want to invite you to come check that out and learn more about that. But with that said, I want to invite you next Monday to join us again for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.